So we're up to the, the last half, or the last third, of chapter 2. Chapter 2 in Tanya. Very foundational chapter. The reason for it is because the whole purpose of Tanya is to teach us how it is very close to you to serve God, right? It says in the Torah, Deuteronomy, very good, that serving Hashem with your mind and with your mouth and with your actions, it's very close to you. So we have to understand how, how exactly is that close to you. The problem is that intuitively we don't feel that way, right? Naturally we feel that we're more interested in eating and drinking and sleeping and going on vacations and all these types of things. And here he says it's close to you. So we decided that uh, first we have to reintroduce ourselves to you, right? Who are we? And maybe we'll get a better understanding of why serving God is close to us. So in chapter 2, the Alter Rebbe tells us that in addition to the survival soul that we have, the soul that actually makes us alive, and the soul that we are in touch with naturally, which is the survival soul, Every Jew has a nefesh alikis, a divine soul. What is this divine soul? What's its function? A person could live without a divine soul, without the nefesh alikis. Life comes from the nefesh abahamis, from the animating soul, which also comes from God, right? All life comes from God. So what's the purpose of the nefesh alikis? Its function is in order to give us um, a relationship with God. That's essentially the idea. That's, That's just thinking of probably the same thing I was just thinking that that soul is the it's it's the interface to the 613 commandments correct it's the interface to the 613 commandments and that we're going to learn we're going to be learning that actually in chapter 4 chapter 4 is exactly that explaining how it's uh, in other words how the soul is actually composed of 613 elements and when we do the mitzvahs, that's how we are connecting or we are activating the soul with its source. But before we get to the 613 commandments, first we have to understand how does this soul do its thing? What does it mean by doing its thing? What we're saying here is that this soul is capable, or this soul is the connector between us and God. When we're in touch with this soul, we're in touch with God. As he starts off in the beginning, it's chelak alekam imal mamish. It's a part of God Himself, mamish. This this idea of chelak aleka. Hello, Danny. Come on in. No translations needed, right? Okay. Good. So we're in the middle. Of, we're in the middle of chapter two, towards towards the bottom of the. Yeah, we're we're chapter two. Chapter 2, but like the second page of chapter 2. Yeah, show me that one. Um, okay, so this divine soul, what's its function? To, um, to enable us to have a connection with God. Or better yet, this soul illustrates that we are just a... We are here as an expression of God. That we're here on a mission. We're not just created by God in order to be some type of living organism in planet, on planet Earth. We're here... Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So we're here as... Um, we are here on a mission. We are, like, 
God's representatives here on planet Earth for a reason. Okay. Now, which means, which means like this. You know, as we mentioned at the very, very beginning, that the Tanya is like, instead of Yechidus, having a private audience with the Rebbe. So, what's, what's the question, essentially, that comes up? The question really is like this. I come to the Rebbe and say, I want to serve God. I want to serve God with feeling, and with, with vigor, with excitement. I want to really feel that I'm having a relationship with God. Do I just need to come, get some of your advice, and walk away? Is that all I need? Or is there more to it? Is there something that I need to be engaged with in order that my divine soul should be activated continuously? So the Alta Rebbe explains that this divine soul is not just like, you know, that there's like, there's like this treasure vault with a bunch of souls and they go down and that's that. No, no, no. The divine soul is part of one larger organism. It's one large body. You have the head and you have the feet and everything in between. In every generation, there is that body of souls all the souls are part of one body called the Jewish nation. And more generally, all the Jewish people from the very beginning, from our forefathers, Moses, and onward until today, is like one body. What's the purpose of understanding it in this way? Because the fact of the matter is that not everyone's soul is on the same level. As he says earlier on in chapter 2, there are, even though they're all a part of God, however, there are many, many different levels of souls. How do we know? You can't compare the souls of us today to the souls of Moses, of, the, of our forefathers. These people, they were talking to God. I mean, they, they, these were very, very heavy hitters. How can you compare this? And it's a good question. So for there, for, for, to explain that, he explains the idea of Ishtal Shalut, the idea of this, or, or more, or a, a better example is what he brings, the idea of gestation, right? How is a baby born? The father gives to the mother the seed, and for nine months during pregnancy, that little, that little seed develops into the entire body. Where did the head come from? Where did the feet come from? Where did the toenails come from? All from that seed which originated by the Father. And even after everything evolved, even after everything developed, even when you have the toenails, those toenails are connected to the brain, which that brain originates in the Father's brain, so they're always connected. And that is true with regard to the nefesh of the kiss, the divine soul. Every divine soul is part of a body. And every divine soul, which is part of a body, has to be connected to the head. Now, who is the head? In every generation, there is a head. Right? Last, last time, we went through an entire... You know, how do you identify the head? Right? So we identified the head, right? Okay, good. So now, we know that there's a head. And the Alter Rebbe says like this, look... The only way that your soul can be nurtured with its divine connection, the only way that your soul could be truly alive is through being connected to the head. Because, if, for example, you take a toenail and you cut it off, when it was connected to the body, when it was connected to the head, it grew, it did its function. You cut off the toenail, what happens? It stops growing, it's garbage, throw it out. So you have to always make sure to be connected to the head. And that's a lifelong thing. So you can't just come to the Rebbe and say, no, help me out, give me a few tips. 
a few tricks how to become how, how to be a servant of God and I'm going to walk away no 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 this is a connection when you're coming to the Rebbe for this advice you're not just coming for advice you're coming to the Rebbe to start a connection what's very interesting is that in the in the introduction to Tanya so the Alter Rebbe is explaining why he's writing the book and he says people would come to me for uh, for advice and how to serve God etc and he says like this who am I speaking to uh, I'm, I'm just. I'm, I'll just read it out in English. I speak, however, of those who know me well, each and every one of our faithful who lives in our country and in lands adjacent to it, with whom words of affection have been frequently exchanged, and who have revealed to me all the secrets of their heart and mind in the service of God, which is dependent on the heart. The Alter Rebbe is saying, you know what a chassid is? Someone that comes to the Rebbe, someone that loves the Rebbe, and it feels open and able to just say everything to the Rebbe. It's not, a, it's not about confession. Heaven forbid, it's not about confession. It's about coming to the Rebbe and saying, I'm an open book. My whole connection to God is going to come through you because you're the head. And, and therefore, this is a lifelong connection. Why? Not because the Rebbe is going to take care of me. No, but because the same, why is the toenail connected to the head? The toenail makes a, a calculation. I want to have such and such amount of energy, so I want to be connected to the head. <laughs> that's not the point. You speak to the finger. Why do you want to be connected to the body? What do you mean? That's that's how I am a finger. That's how I function. That that's who I am. The same thing is true with the nefesh of the kiss of the divine soul. That divine soul desperately wants to be connected to the head, and the more that we nurture that connection, the more that we reveal that connection, the more the divine energy is there in the service of God. Yeah. So you said also that the. So the Jewish people, it's like one big soul. And so maybe think of one big body. One big body, right? So thinking of that, the head and the nails, the toes, so like Moses, we say we have a little spark from Moses. It's like coming from the head. Would that be the same idea? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The idea of the spark of Moses, yeah, yeah, but, but that word, spark of Moses comes up in chapter 42. They have patience. But the idea is. That yeah, yeah. It's all part of that, all part of that idea. All right. So now, so now here, the, the Alta Rebbe says like this. Now we could understand. Um, a, a, a statement in the Talmud. By the way, all of everything that we're saying is, is sourced in, in previous sources. Altarab is the one. Altarab calls himself like a compiler. It wasn't just a compiler to be that type of compiler. Yeah, it's a whole different situation. But the Altarab is gleaning everything from original Torah sources and framing it. He's essentially framing it, um, and w- which illuminates everything. So the Alter Rebbe is quoting from the Talmud. Talmud in Ketubot. So like in the last, last word on page 8, and we're going to page 10. This explains the comment of our sages on the verse. Uh, we're already on page 10. This explains the comment of our sages on the verse. And to cleave to him. Uledavka Bo. Who are we talking? Who's Bo? Who is him? Who are we cleaving to? God. That, that, you know, that, that's the context of that verse. So what does it mean to cleave to God? Our sages say in the Talmud, he who cleaves to a scholar of the Torah is deemed by the Torah as if he had become attached to the very Shekhinah. Shekhinah means the divine presence. Shekhinah is the term that's used to describe the divine presence that was in the Holy Temple. Right? So you ask anyone, where is God? Where is God's home? The Holy Temple. When we pray, we face east. Right? When the Holy Temple stood, you came to the Holy Temple, you saw many miracles going on. 
Here, give, give me the book. And then... I, I, I read Spanish. No, 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 no. In any of So we're ready here. Um, you're on, on page 23, on the top. Okay, so um, in the Holy Temple, you came face to face with God. You saw it. You saw God's influence in the world. You saw the impact in the world. All the all all, all prayers were answered. So many blessings came as a result, etc. And here, our sages say, you want to cleave to God. What does cleaving mean? Literally, to like connect yourself. You want to be connected to Shechina. To the divine presence, connect yourself to the scholar of Torah. But how, how is that even, like? What is that supposed to mean? First of all, what does it mean to cleave yourself to the Torah scholar? So obviously, you can't just say I'm gonna hug him and that's it. I'm gonna, no. So we, we mentioned this last time. It's like find yourself a rabbi and hope No, it's, it's not any rabbi. That's the idea. He's not just saying. Oh, I think last time we mentioned that um, the, the, the definition of Talmud Chacham here is the Talmud Chacham, which is on the level of head. And when we talk about a head, we're not just talking about a genius, we're not just talking about someone that knows the entire Torah, and someone that's a teacher, or someone that's the leader of a community. The head of the entire Jewish nation means that this head literally feels every single Jew, cares for every single Jew. That's the definition of head. There's no other definition of head. So that, that's, that's the, I say, we're, we're saying that Talmud Chacham means the head. So what's the idea here? Why is it that when you're connected to this type of Talmud Chacham, then you're connected to the Shekhinah, you're connected to the Divine Presence, for through attachment to the scholars. So at that point, the Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama of the ignorant, ignorant is again, is again a, a code word, not just for someone that's ignorant in Torah. You can have people that are very knowledgeable in Torah, but their, their, their divine senses are dulled. They're very, very dulled. They don't have this... this you know, uh, divine vigor. They don't have that feeling. They don't have that attachment, connection, etc. So that's all, all, ba- all, all uh, included in ignorant. So ignorant is like toenail, right? And tabot chachem is head. So when through through the attachment to the scholars, to the head, so then the soul of the ignorant are bound up and united with their original essence and their root in the supernal wisdom. He and his wisdom being one. And he is the knowledge, etc. Yeah, this is all the quote from the Maimonides, which is saying that when you talk about God's wisdom, you're talking about God Himself. Right? So this is all based on the science, the biology that we learned in the beginning half of chapter two. The Alter explained the biology of the Jewish body is that you have the head, you have every other part of the body, even the toenails. The souls of our generation, Ikvesod Meshich, are like the heels of Mashiach. The heels right before Mashiach comes. So we're like the heels or even the toenails. That's why our divine senses are very dulled. Uh, we're easily distracted. And when this toenail is connected to the head, then it's connected to the original source, which is God Almighty. That's the idea. And therefore, the Alta Rebbe says, that's why it's so important to, to cleave to the Talmud Chacham. What does it mean to cleave to the Talmud Chachem? You're learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, you're learning the Torah that this Talmud Chachem teaches, and cleaving means that it is constant. That's one of the reasons. By the way, the whole Chabad Hasidic culture evolved from this. You'll notice, when you'll, 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 you'll notice um, the Chabad Hasidim 
are constantly learning the Rebbe's teachings, quoting the Rebbe, talking about the Rebbe, have a picture of the Rebbe in every room of their house, etc. What's with this obsession? The answer is it's not obsession. It's like the obsession of the finger to the head. That's the idea. Cleaving means that we surround ourselves in a constant way. That doesn't mean we're righteous. It doesn't mean we're tzaddikim. It doesn't mean we have no distractions. That's not the point. But there is a concept. There is an important element of life which dictates to us that, hey, if you want to have this divine connection, you have to make sure that your connection to the tzaddik, to the head, is like cleaving, is constant, is obsessive, 24-7. That's why Chassidim like to give names to their children that remind them of the Rebbe. Either the Rebbe's name, or if they can't give that, the Rebbe's family, whatever it might be. This is all part of the idea of cleaving because that doesn't mean that they're always going to uh, do the right thing or always going to make the right decision. No, they're still human beings. But it's human beings that are trying to be connected to the head in a way that would make it more possible for them to be more divinely aware, more divinely, uh, how do you say, uh, sensitive, etc. Well, in tune. In tune, exactly. This is all setting the groundwork for how a person can continue in serving God. There, there was actually a, an interesting story that uh, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, he had a yeshiva. He started the Chabad yeshiva system. And there was another, there was another great rabbi, not from a Hasidic background, who met with the, the fifth Rebbe. And he said, you know, I also have a yeshiva, but I noticed that, that the boys in your yeshiva, they have a, that, there's like a certain style to their to their Jewishness that is, is, is that far surpasses my own yeshiva whatever you're saying you know they, they both learn Torah but for some reason on your students I see a certain dedication commitment whatever so the Rebbe said they learn Hasidus Hasidus changes everything so he said okay so I guess I'll introduce a Hasidic uh, you know I'll, I'll introduce some Hasidus in my yeshiva and that will take care of the problem and the fifth Rebbe smiled. The Rebbe Hashab smiled. That was that. So afterwards, his son, who became the sixth Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, said, he asked, he asked his father, Why, like, what, was, what did you mean with the smile? So he said, learning chassidus without the connection to the Rebbe is basically worthless. It's not, that's not what does it. In other words, it's not, it's not about give me the information. Alter Rebbe is laying, laying the groundwork in chapter 2 and he says you can get all the information you want but if you, if you haven't identified the head and you're not cleaving to the head you're going to have a lot of trouble because that, that avenue is not open and in fact that's the next thing that he says over here um, uh, if you go through history right? let's go all the way back to Moses for, for a moment yeah? Moses was the head, undisputed head he was the connection to God. He said to all the people, I am the one standing between you and God. I'm the connector. Very good. You think he had an easy time? You think he had a very high approval rating? This guy, his approval ratings were in the dumps most of the time, right? Until right before he passed away. Everyone, <laughs> he loved him, right? Let's talk about Kairach, for example. Kairach started a rebellion against Moses, right? Do you think that while he was doing the rebellion against Moses, he wasn't doing mitzvahs? He was doing mitzvahs. As long as he was alive and he had a nefesh of he had a divine soul in him, yeah, he was doing mitzvahs, he had a relationship with God. Here comes the big question. So, so was Kairach 
considered a full-fledged Jew while he was rebelling against Moses? Of course. If he did a mitzvah, is that considered a mitzvah? Of course. Uh, if he's part of a minion, was he counted in the minion? For sure. Why not? Well, what's the question, right? So, how does this work? How could you rebel against the head and still retain your connection? Right? So the Altar deals with that. Because you have that in every generation. You have the heads. You have the people that go against them. So he says, As for those who willfully sin and rebel against the sages, the nurture of their nefesh, ruach, and neshama comes from behind the back, as it were, for the, of the nefesh, ruach, and neshama of the scholars. Okay, there are two ways that you can get something from someone. One way is that you come and they look at you face to face, they smile, they hand it to you. Oh, so not only did you get the goods, you also got it in a very beautiful way, in an intimate way. There's this there's real connection, right? Then there's another way. The guy doesn't want to see you. Go to the back door and get it. It's waiting there for you. Right? So you, you get the goods, but it's not. You, you don't really have that feeling. There is no intimacy there, etc. So the Adam says like this: the head is the head, and the finger cannot get its nurture, cannot get its 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 energy from anything else other than the head. However, there's two options. Either you can get it from the head in a way which is invigorating, which is gishmak. You know, gishmak means in Yiddish, gishmak means like it's. Uh, pleasing and, and delicious and, and you want more and and you know it, 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 it's pronounced or you can get it as a uh, whatever you get it but it's it's very dulled it's very Se- dark it's, huh? seasoning. it's, like it's the, the, the no seasoning no I don't oh exactly exactly so ideas like this out says no matter what every single Jew is getting their divine everything through the tzaddik, through the head. There are those that might rebel against the head. They're still getting it from. You know, they're, they're just getting it like you know, from, from the back door, from the side. They're getting it in a way that is not uh, exciting. And, and, it, and it, it shows. It shows in their divine service that they don't have that type of connection. Are they connected? For sure they are. You can't be disconnected. The idea here is the more you are connected to the tzaddik, the more that you reveal that connection, the more you cleave to the tzaddik, that gets you more access to this type of divine energy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's why, for example, you'll hear stories of chassidim that would come just to see the Rebbe. They didn't have to hear anything from the Rebbe. They didn't have to go into a private audience with the Rebbe in order to get their, their push, in order to get their... Just had to see the Rebbe, be under the same roof as the Rebbe, whatever, whatever it might be. That itself already gives them whatever they need. That's because something, uh-huh. that's something I could not understand. A lot of people don't understand Yiddish, but it's still going with going to. That's right. And, it's, and it changed their lives. People would come to Febrengans, they don't understand Yiddish. It was on Shabbos where they couldn't hear the simultaneous translation. They would stand there glued to the Rebbe's face for three, four hours and walk away. What are you wasting your time for? The Rebbe was not entertaining, by the way. There are some people that go for entertainment. You go to a movie, you don't understand anything, you see it, and you're entertained, that's it. It's exciting. If you watch the Rebbe, the Rebbe is not an entertaining speaker at all. If you don't understand what the Rebbe is saying, if you understand, ooh, it's a whole different level. right? If you understand the Rebbe, it's it's a whole different thing. But if, if you don't understand, the Rebbe would barely move, the Rebbe would speak 
The Rebbe, the Rebbe didn't wave his hands. There was none of that. There was no entertainment by the Rebbe. And yet, people were glued to the Rebbe just, just to hear the Rebbe's voice, see the Rebbe's face, even without understanding a word. So let me just ask. Yeah? If you go to the president, the king, you get the same feeling if you didn't understand a word they're saying. You know they have a certain power, a certain leadership, a certain... And just to feel it, you go home motivated as well. I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Um, yeah, uh, let's put it. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. Um, kings are an analogy for what we're talking about. In other words, if someone will tell me they went to the coronation and they didn't even see the king, but they felt so proud and so whatever about the country, and they walked away a patriot, I'll believe it. Of course, I'll believe that. But that's not a question. Why? Because the king represents that type of that 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 type of the essence of the country and, 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 and of the nation or whatever. That, that's true. That's a true thing. Um, on the other hand, you could say well, people are, are extremely overwhelmed with the immense power, with the, with, with the, the riches, and with the... So that's entertaining, right? People, when they go to the president, in general, you watch the president walk off of, a, what's it called, a Air Force One, right? And they do that specifically. Air Force One is royal. So it's exciting what, what it represents. It's like, wow, it's awesome. You know, Alan Dershowitz, he said a good line. He said that the Rebbe didn't have an army, weapons, I'm saying. he didn't have an army, <laughs> didn't have a bank account, he didn't have political power, he didn't have any of these things. And yet he wielded tremendous, tremendous influence. What was the Rebbe's influence? This. In other words, th- this connection to God was very, very apparent. And when a Jew comes and stands before the Rebbe and sees the Rebbe, etc. Now, did everyone have the same reaction? Did everyone have the same feeling? No. No. It all depends where you're holding, right? If someone's coming on a, you know, some people that would come very anti, and just by seeing the Rebbe, they were completely melted. Not everyone, right? The point is that when you have the head and that connection to the head, that connection has to be nurtured, that has to be nourished, and it has to be on a level of cleaving. Literally. They're, 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 it's never too much. It's never, ever too much. Talking yeah. about this one, I remember when I was a child in the yeshiva, this coming over the set to Argentina. And this is the same. This represents the same. When we were to hear him, he was a tzaddik. And this is the connection that we have at that moment with him and to understand what he said, the connection with that. Yep. All right, so now let, let's continue here. The, the Alter Rebbe goes to actually a very interesting, it's, it's kind of like a side point, but, it, but it's also very important. So it would seem from here that the level of the soul that you have is fate. You know, the souls are coming through this chain reaction, and some of them come out over here, some of them come out over there. So every person has a different level of soul. So the Alter Rebbe brings into the picture a very interesting Kabbalistic teaching. As for what is written in the Zoyar, in the Zoyar Chodosh, to the effect that the essential factor is to conduct oneself in a holy, man- a holy manner during sexual union. Oh, so the, 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 these Kabbalistic books, they say like this. If you want to have, in other words, when, when, when father and mother come together, they're intimate, so they're bringing souls down to the world. How do you ensure that the soul that you're bringing down to your child should be a higher level of soul? So the Kabbalah says it all depends on your attitude. On your attitude during that sexual union. 
if it's in a holy manner, if it's done in accordance with God's wishes, but not just that, also the whole attitude is about holiness and about about connection to God. So then you're going to bring a very high, holy, spiritual soul to your child. And if not, eh, it's going to be a very dull type of soul, right? Uh, which is not the case with the children of the ignorant and so on. It is to be understood as meaning that since oh so 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 it would seem that it's an issue of faith. So he says like this: understand it this way. It is to be understood as meaning that since there is not a nefesh ruach and neshama, which has not a garment of the nefesh of its father's and mother's essence, and all the commandments that it fulfills are all influenced by that garment and even the benevolence that flows to one from heaven is all given through that garment hence through self-sanctification one will cause to descend for the neshama of one's child a holy garment all right let's stop here for a moment you ever went to outer space no if you do they're going to give you a special suit right and if you don't wear that suit Nothing is going to happen, right? Now, that's not the best analogy for what I'm about to say, but this is like an opening. It's kind of so the the neshama, the soul, comes into this world. Now, the the soul and this world are two opposites. They're completely opposite. You're talking about you know the, the, the holiest of, of spiritual, etc. And then you have the physical world. So as the soul comes down to this world, it is given a lavush a garment, uh, a suit. What does this suit do? This suit allows the soul to function in this world. So all the mitzvahs that the soul does is through this suit. And all of the divine energy that it receives, which translates into health and wealth and all the different, all the blessings that we have, also comes to the soul through this garment, through this suit. Where does the suit come from? Who provides the garment? And so the Kabbalah tells us that the parents are the ones that provide the garment. In other words, the soul comes from God. But the tools through which the soul can function in this world, that comes from the parents. And if the parents have a a proper perspective, and if the parents sanctify themselves... So they're going to give their child a tremendous amount of... uh, They're going to give their child a much more robust and well-suited suit for the soul to do more mitzvahs and to be in touch with its divine divine source, etc. If, you know, their their, their behavior is lacking, so then the type of suit that they give to their child is very weak and very... is not very functionable. Um, And this would apply to every soul. Even if it's the highest type of soul possible, it still needs to have a lavush, a, a suit from its parents. Yeah. Abraham. Oh, good, good, good. One second. We'll, we'll get that in a second. Good. So, so now, but then you can ask another question. <laughs> so that's also fate. It's my problem that my parents behave this way. Right. He went directly. He, 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 it's like he passed. Oh, well, don't come to conclusions. Hold on. So the Altaba doesn't actually say this here. But uh, many of the of the, the rebbes after I, I saw that one of the rebbes said that this suit is not yours forever. You can change it. You can change it. It takes a lot of hard work, but you can change the suit. Abraham, yeah, it came from Terach, from such people. So obviously, he was able to achieve a different type of suit. 
however, this does put a certain type of, uh, a very tr- a tremendous amount of responsibility on the parents. If the parents behave in the proper way, they're giving their child a leg up, right? They're giving their child a tremendous push. Um, <laughs> in fact, based on this idea, there were big tzaddikim that would say, if only my father would have done X, Y, and Z, it would have been much better for me. They weren't they weren't fetching and blaming their father for their problems. That wasn't the point. The point they were trying to illustrate this idea that the, the more we do to invest in having a more holy atmosphere at home and, and making sure that that even in the bedroom, and especially in the bedroom, it should be in a holy atmosphere and it should be in a proper atmosphere, it does a tremendous amount for the children. The greatest gift that we can give to our children is to be mentioned ourselves. Not just that now we're going to be able to be proper role models for them. We literally craft them. We literally, we, we basically give them a leg up. Privilege. Why not? <laughs> that is, we privilege our children by doing that. Um, hence, oh, I'm sorry, let's continue. Um, hence, through self-sanctification, one will cause to descend for the neshama of one's child, a holy garment. And however great a soul it may be, it still needs the father's sanctification. Right? So, so, the, in other words, the parents don't determine what type of soul comes to the world. The type of soul, that's up to God. Which type of soul? However, in order for this soul to function properly in this world, and to be connected to its source, and to, be in a, and, and, and to do its mission of bringing God to the world, for that it really, really depends on what type of suit it's granted, what type of whatever, you know, what, what type of garment it has. But as for the soul itself, it sometimes happens that the soul of an infinitely lofty person comes to be the son of a despised and lowly man. All this has been explained by the Arizal and Lukut Etera, Parashas Vayera, and in time of Mitzvah, and Parashas Bereshis. Let's go through history just for a moment. Where did Rabbi Akiva come from? You know where Rabbi Akiva came from? Yeah. His father was a convert and was a complete and total ignoramus. So it's very, very doubtful what type of holiness, kedusha, spirituality prevailed in his home, right? That's not a judgment call against Rabbi Akiva's father. The big question is, how is it possible that Rabbi Akiva should come from such a home? Rabbi Akiva was the foundation of the oral Torah. Rabbi Akiva was the teacher of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, the father of Kabbalah, it all came from Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was one of the greatest Torah teachers ever to live. Moses, no big deal. Moses came from Amram Yechebet. These people were holy rollers. Amazing, right? Rabbi Akiva, whole different story. And in fact, until he was 40, he didn't know how to read the Aleph bit, right? And yet, once that soul was able to break out of its shell, whatever it was, boom, it took over the world. Why? Because Rabbi Akiva was endowed with a tremendous soul from the beginning. Of course, yeah, he was ahead. And he was also ahead of everyone else, etc. But it took time. Right? And there are many other stories of tremendous, tremendous tzaddikim that where they originated from, you would have never imagined that that would happen. How is that possible? Because with regard to the essential soul, we mentioned also last time that when it comes to souls, you have souls from the world of Atzilus and then Bria, Yitzira, all different levels, which they represent different levels of awareness of God, of sensitivity to God, transparency of the divine, etc. So that type of soul can come anywhere. God sends that soul wherever it might be. However, the parents do have an impact on that. However, a person should never say, oh, that's fate, my parents were like this, 
So therefore, I can't be blamed for my actions. No, you, you can change your suit. It's no big deal. You can go to the store and change it, no problem. You have to go to the right store. But uh, one time, the previous rabbi, in other words, during the lifetime, his father's lifetime, so he was in charge of the yeshiva. He was like uh, the, the actual principal of the yeshiva. So from time to time, he would have a fabregan for the older students. Right, 21, 22, whatever. So one time it was during the fabregan, and he said, you know, you guys, you, you blame your parents for your problems. He says, who do you think gives you the suit? The Rebbe gives you the suit. He's basically telling them, once you come to the yeshiva, once you're connected to the Rebbe, everything could change. You have to just want it to be that way. But you have to know that there's such a thing called a soul. You have to know that that soul has a suit. And that suit is something that comes from the parents and it could be changed, it could be manipulated. And also remember that in order to have another generation, in order to give your children another chance, make sure that your behavior is, par- is proper. Of Aaron's sons, of yeah. Aaron's sons, right? Yep. It was through that he could, he got the In other words, because he taught them Torah, because they were his students, he was like their father. Yep. Yep. So, so what's the, the the conclusion of chapter two? Chapter two sets the stage to understanding the nefesh of the kids, the divine soul. We don't understand anything about it yet. That we're going to start in chapter three to understand what is this divine soul, what is it made up of, what's its, what is the soul's biology. First, we have to understand what is the soul. When we say that it's a part of God, what does that mean? As we explained, that God ha- has a child. The Jewish people, B'ni B'cheri Yisrael, God says, you are my children. So it's like a child. And that child has a head and has a, a body and has feet and has toenails, toes and toenails and all these different things. And the Jewish people are like one body. And our souls could be on very, very different levels. But no matter what level the soul is on, that soul always has to be connected to the head soul. And when it's connected to the head soul, it's connected to its source. And, the, and, and then it could actually start the, the hard work of actually serving God and having that relationship with God. Which will come about as a result of understanding chapters 3, 4, 5 and continuing on. Uh, but this is, this is the foundation of Tanya. The Alder Rebbe says, if you're coming to me for advice, it's not just because I'm a smart guy. You're coming to Al-Tareb because Al-Tareb is the head. And that connection has to be in a way of cleaving. That's why we learn Tanya every day. Right? Well, enough. You, you, read, you read the book, put it away. It's never enough. Because you have to cleave to this. You have to cleave to the head. Alrighty. With that, we will conclude chapter oh, two. Go ahead.